That is awesome. That's the Christmas story. That's why we remember Christmas. That's why we gather. Let us never forget the means in which we come. The God of heaven has planned this before the foundation of the world. But what was the plan for? We talk about Jesus. We talk about God's son. That he would come to earth to look like us. To to be like us. To walk like us. But the word Emmanuel is different. It means God with us. And we have this unique idea and understanding of what God has done. And why we celebrate what we celebrate. But there are people that missed the story. And I want to start with the innkeeper. We don't know if Joseph stopped to ask more. But I want to put this thought into your mind because if you remember the story, why were they going there in the first place? They were going there because there was a census and you had as a family had to go back to your hometown. Well, chances are Joseph wasn't the only one from Bethlehem, right? His whole family or distant relatives or a variety of relatives would have been there. So it seems odd that there would be no room for them in an inn. And in our American mind, we have this tendency to think, oh, it's like a hotel. Well, probably not. <laughs> But nonetheless, there was no room for them inside. But again, Jewish culture, there would have been animals probably on the first story or out in the yard, wherever. So I would postulate, at least in potentially, that it was, might have been someone that they knew, but not someone that had space in the house, right? So they had to go somewhere else. So the innkeeper heard that knock on the door, and they stood face to face with a young man and a Young mom, soon to be giving birth. Maybe it was late. Maybe they were just tired. Maybe the house was already packed. And maybe like some of you just had so many people in the house and it was so busy. They must have been thinking about other things maybe. What's interesting to me also is that there's nowhere in Luke's account where he didn't even try to get Mary help. Just no, no room in the inn. What a thrill this family could have had to have the Son of God born in their house around his property, but completely missed the gift of gifts. So focused on other good things, but lesser things. I don't think they were being unkind in any way. Just busy, that's all. Like so many of us today who are overwhelmed with activities, not necessarily bad activities, just things that keep us busy. And people, especially this time of year, are busy shopping on top of your normal things that you do. Gathering with family, office parties, concerts, school activities, and a host of other things that compete for our attention. And then that snowstorm of activity, although not today. (laughs) So many people are preoccupied and they miss the gift of gifts. If you're thinking through the story of all the characters that possibly missed that, here's another one. Herod missed one. Herod acted like he wanted to worship Christ. But he was scared of the one who was called king of the Jews. And like most kings, they're really not super excited about sharing their throne, right? Competition for a king in that era was not accepted. Afraid of losing his place in society, his fame, his power, all of that was in jeopardy. And today, so many people are afraid of what others maybe think of them. Or they worry who might interfere with their career or position or fame or power or ambitions that they have, the plans or lifestyle that they want, thinking, oh, Jesus is going to interact in some fashion that way. 
They too, like King Herod, are not about to let someone overtake their lives. To be the boss of their life. They, like King Herod, see Jesus as a threat. So they end up missing the gift of gifts. Most people this time of year don't mind pausing to take time off of work. They enjoy that. The sentimentality of it all, apart from who Christ is. Some will even celebrate the birth of Christ. They even may pause for a moment to think of him as some kind of resource when life gets hard. They even might accept him as some form of spiritual helper, going so far as to calling themselves a Christian. But not if he insists on being king of kings and lord of lords of their lives. And like Herod, they know there can only be one king. And it's not Christ. Certainly not a baby born in a manger or born in a stable and laid in a manger. Just fearful, just as insecure as Herod, just jealous even of losing their own self-determination that Herod was of losing his throne. What could be more fearful to someone like that to lose your goals of life, your values, your priorities? See, the world is full of people, most people, who shake their fists, according to Luke 19, says, we don't want this Jesus to reign over us. And people who never relinquish the authority of their lives, believing they are the best captain to guide themselves through this life. So what you end up with is everyone acting like their own king and queen who are not about to bow down to Jesus Christ. And like Herod, they miss the gift as well. What about the religious leaders? A whole group of people who knew this was coming. I mean, they had the actual Old Testament and they knew it. People you would have thought would have been excited and ready for that first Christmas. Knowing exactly where he was going to be born. But they didn't think it very important to go see for themselves from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It's just a short walk. A few miles. Why? Why, they were important people. They couldn't be bothered to walk that far. Or even to catch a ride to find out what was going on. Too proud too indifferent even. They knew all the answers. They had the Bible of that day. They had all the facts. They just didn't care. They kept the law, like the rich young ruler, believed they were already all of that that God wanted them to be because they followed all of his commands. They were so self-righteous, indifferent, and profoundly subtle. Is that sin against Christ a common reaction to most? A typical response of religious people who don't think they need a Savior. I am good enough, they'll say. I'm not a bad person. That is a dangerous belief. Jesus' primary ministry when he was here on earth was to go to people who knew they had problems and understood and admitted them. They were honest with themselves. Jesus said, I didn't come... To call the righteous but sinners. For those who are indifferent, who don't see themselves clearly, can't respond to the need they have and who Christ is and what he offers. They don't oppose him. They're not necessarily out to get him. They just joyfully ignore him. Not caring about his remedy for sin because they don't believe they're sick with sin in the first place. 
such people also will miss the gift of gifts. Then there were people living in Jerusalem. Again, not that far away from Bethlehem. A place full of religious activity, of this long-awaited Messiah that Moses mentioned to them so many years ago, but they too had missed it. They had long abandoned their heart of faith, not looking for a baby savior, but a leader, a conquering king to beat back the Romans. But Jesus opposed everything about what their religious system created. They were so determined and confident they could earn their salvation to prove themselves to others that by doing the things of God that he commanded them, they again, again, again gained their own righteousness. Their eyes were blinded, Jesus said. They couldn't see the depth of their own spiritual poverty. Religion and believing that doing religious activities or rituals is equal to a genuine righteousness is a deadly trap. That kind of religion damns the people to hell just as much as immorality will. The Bible goes so far to say that Satan will pretend to be an angel of light to keep religious people thinking that what they are doing is good enough. So even good religious people can miss the gift of gifts. Then there were Romans. Jesus was born during what was called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, the height of the Roman Empire. Which honestly, if you think about that, wasn't really so peaceful for everybody they're conquering. (laughs) But there would have been Romans everywhere. Soldiers, administrators, taking the tax money, counting in the census, all over the place, keeping the peace. Yet they also missed Christmas. Why? Because of their idolatry. Rome was a plethora of man-made gods they served going so far as to worship Caesar himself. Jesus didn't fit into that system either. The pagan worship of the Romans had this strong grip on an empire so there would be unity throughout. It's not unlike the paganism of our day. Oh, we don't carve idols and cover them in gold and silver so much anymore, but it just shows up in different forms. Some worship money or pleasure or material things, power, prestige, popularity. And those are the modern pagan gods of our day. And those that worship at those altars will also miss the gift of gifts. Finally, there is people in Jesus' own hometown. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And think about that for a minute. You could have been a block over and had no idea what was going on. You could have been down the street from this event that night and not known and understood. And even in Nazareth, where Jesus grew up in his life, before all those people, 30 years of living there, working with his dad as a carpenter. He revealed himself to his hometown, and when he did, was their response excitement, joy to the world, thanksgiving, relief? Nope. They just tried to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> they had missed Christmas completely and had absolutely no idea who he was. They had known him better than anyone else that, that only a small town could do. And Jesus, Scripture says, wonders in amazement at their unbelief. Why did they miss Christmas? Oh, I think it just became too familiar. They just knew him too much. 
They knew him so well. He was just one of them. Certainly not the Messiah. Certainly not the one they were supposed to look for. Certainly no one special. Familiarity coupled with unbelief is also a deadly combination. It is perhaps the most tragic of sins, unbelief. A person who has gotten familiar with what he's heard over the years in reading the Bible and sermons and lessons, hearing the Christmas story read each holiday season, but still rejects Christ. There is nothing left for Jesus to do for such a person than he's already done. What a sad way to miss Christmas. What about you this morning? Perhaps you've been missing the gift of gifts. Oh, you'll receive presents, you've decorated a tree, you'll eat an amazing amount of joyous food. But you know in your heart that you are no different from the innkeeper, from Herod, the religious leaders, the people of Jerusalem, the Romans, or those Jesus grew up with in Nazareth. You are missing the gift of gifts the reality of Christmas. My encouragement to you today on this Christmas Eve is don't miss this one. Repent or turn from your sins and unbelief. Receive the gift of gifts that God has given, that he has provided the one and only son, Jesus Christ, who will forgive freely, who will transform your life and will give you the greatest Christmas gift any one of you can receive this Christmas season himself. Don't miss him this year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of gifts that we remember, your goodness and grace to us, and why we celebrate. Father, I just am so thankful that we gather here this day on a Sunday, the first day of the week, when you have ascribed to us to to gather together as a body. But even if it's another day, the traditions that we have, the confidence that we have in the Savior who has washed and cleansed us, the means in which we celebrate a baby's birth, all of those traditions, all of the, the things that we celebrate to remind a lost, unbelieving world that you are ruling and reigning from heaven this very day. So, Father, thank you for the joy of Christmas. Thank you that there can be joy to the world in the midst of all the things we see in it. Father, I pray this Christmas, may we not miss the gift. May we ponder what you've done to us and for us by your good grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to transition into our communion time. I want to read this from Galatians chapter 1. It says this. This is how Paul starts his letter. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, this is Christmas. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. That's Christmas. Let us never forget the means and why he came and what he's done. I have a poem I'd like to read. His name, by the, his name is Terry Thomas. It goes like this. What good is the Christmas story if it's void of God and his glory? 
What is the worth of the words, peace on earth, if it's not rooted in the truth of Christ's birth? What benefit is it for us to discuss the joy of the season unless we fix our hearts and minds on the principal reason that Christ has atoned for us? You see, Christmas is more than a story of a baby born in a manger, more than a poor fiancé engaged to a humble virgin teenager, more than magi, more than gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's more than a nativity. There is so much more that occurred. It's the coming of the Messiah, the fulfillment of all Old Testament promises. The prophecy of of a suffering servant and all of his accomplishments. The second person of the Trinity commissioned to abandon his position and literally set aside the independent exercise of all his attributes to full submission. The word manifest in the flesh, the fullness of God expressed. The self-emptying Jesus poured out at the Father's request. The image of the invisible God, the radiance of the Father's fame, holy but retaining his humanness to empathize with our pain. He was unjustly crushed, chastised, cursed, shamed, mocked, and adorned with a crown of thorns, disgraced but still faced the grave to fulfill the Father's will, to come and die in the place of of sinful man and receive the full fury of God's judgment upon himself instead. The move monumental mark for mankind made him history, made history. Wretched sinners being made righteous by the wounds of a risen king. The condescending of a holy God made in the likeness of man. A child born to be the savior that would save the world from their sin. The offspring of a virgin's womb, Christ, God's own Son. Fully God, yet fully man. This is what we celebrate. Christ, the newborn King, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity. You and I have been called by the one who gave himself up for our sins. Delivering us from this present evil age and the wrath that is to come. We honor that one today as we come around the table. Like Nebuchadnezzar did of old, who blessed the Most High, who forgive, who lives forever, whose dominion is everlasting, whose kingdom endures from one generation to the next and to the next, who does according to his will in heaven and on earth. That's who we worship. The sovereign Lord and King, Jesus the Christ, Born in Bethlehem, the one who said to remember him as long as we eat and drink of this memorial service to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you. As we come around the table to remember the gift of gifts and the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Father, thank you. Thank you for the birth of a Savior and the means in which you brought your grace to us whereby we would be redeemed. Father, thank you as we come around to remember where your birth has led to, to your death and resurrection, so there truly can be joy to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.